and uh, it's called Unique. How many of y'all are unique? Anybody unique in this place? Cheryl is very unique. I'm very unique. I am very different. Most people wouldn't, wouldn't expect this from me, but I like to decorate. I do. And you can ask Pastor Jennifer, she doesn't decorate our house. I do. I'm very artsy, and uh, I, I've, I've always decorated all, all the BBSs back when I was kneeling and all that kind of stuff. And I love to decorate. I love to do that kind of stuff. I love to go to Hobby Lobby. It's one of my favorite places. And uh, the guys are saying, you just lost your man card, Pastor. And, and that, that's okay because God made me this way. I am unique, and I, I love to do that kind of stuff. I also love to hunt. I love to fish. I'm not that good at fishing, but I love to fish. Matt took me, and uh, I caught half as many as he did, but he caught two. I caught one. <laughs> but I like to do all that stuff, you know. And God has created us unique in how we are and how we're made. And, you know, we serve a great, big, infinite God. There's no beginning. There's no end. And I have a little pro, a little equation. I like to see stuff on a screen. So if we take an infinite number and we take a million from it, what does that leave us? Put, it, put up the next slide. Leaves us an infinite number. You can never take anything away from something that is infinite. So many times we try to put God in a box. We try to put who he is and we try to capture it in this, this capsule. We, we, try to, we try to capsule church and, and say this, this is what church looks like. And for some of us it's good and for, for some of us it's bad. Some people have had bad experiences with church and religion through the years. But we, we tend to put put a capsule on it. And, and then we, we put a capsule on our, our own personal lives. And we get caught up, well, I can't go to church because I did this this week. Or, or maybe I had a couple drinks. Or, or I did this or I did that. And what we don't understand is God's grace is infinite. You can never take anything away from it in your life. You never lose any of that. We mess up every day, it's okay, because His grace in my life is infinite. As long as my compass is constantly pointing north, back towards Him, it's all good. Jesus, forgive me. I wake up every morning, I make Him Lord of my life. I might have told you all this, but I got a friend that just wrote a, a book on the rapture. I was reading it, and he was talking about the 50% rule, how 50, and uh, how it says, you know, there's couple in the field and, and one's taken one's left behind and then there's there's three here they're left three are taken and he's like it, it's a 50 percent rule of who going and who's staying and I'm, I'm like wow Jesus saved me today again I don't want to be caught in the 50 percent that thought I was saying I'm left behind and so I t he said you read your book I said I read the first chapter and I just left alone after that <laughs> but because you know, I don't like stuff like that. I, I know that God's grace is infinite in my life. And that no matter what I do, I can't, I, can't, I can't mess up enough that he doesn't love me. We get so consumed with the little things that happen in our week and the things that happen in our life that we forget that we serve an infinite God. We forget 
that he's not worried about all the stuff. He's just concerned with people and with people. That's what he's concerned about. It's impossible to measure or to calculate how good just think about it. Think about it. Infinite grace. Aren't you glad for infinite grace? I tell you, I am. Because I'm just a just an old, well, I'm not too old. I graduated in the 90s. Back when there was good music. <laughs> and uh, so I'm not that old. But, you know, in my day, I did some stuff that wasn't right. And I thank God that he forgives me for that stuff. And I thank God that I'm unique. You know, I looked up the definition of unique. It's only one. It's special. It's rare. It's one-off. It's one of its kind. It's matchless. It's exceptional. That's me. That's you. In God's eyes, you are exceptional. You are unique. You are special. In fact, Psalms 139, 14, David says this, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Galatians 1, 15 says, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. You realize, before you were born, he knew you. He had a destiny and he had a purpose just for you. And that you're unique and you're special in every way. And as, as a church, we're unique. As Christians, we're unique. So the next, next three weeks, we're going to be covering what makes us unique as a church and what makes us unique as Christians and as sons of God and, and daughters of God. What makes us special? What makes us one-off? What makes us marvelous? What makes us wonderful? And it's only because of his infinite grace and his love in our life. I don't know about you, but I want people to say there's something unique about me. I like, I like the fact I'm different. I want people to say there's something different about that church. They love unconditionally. Because, see, that's what the church of Jesus looks like. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today also. I want them to say, if you need God, he's in that place on top of the hill. If you need healing in your body, he's in that place on top of the hill. If you just need a little cup of grace today, he's on top of the hill. Drive at a place called Christ. You can find him there. And what makes us unique is a non-denominational church, is the Holy Spirit. And so today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's just like Christianity in general. Uh, the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap. Religion tends to put, put limits on different things. And, and, and the Holy Spirit, we, we, we label him as the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. And, and when you say ghost, people get scared and, I don't know about you, but I don't like ghosts, and I didn't even like Casper growing up, and he was the friendly ghost. But but we tend we tend to mis mis mislabel what it really is, which or who he really is. 
which he is God. And I don't know about you, but I want all to God. I want everything he has to offer in my life. So I want to touch on the misconceptions and the false pretenses that are commonly made about the Holy Spirit and why you need him in your life. Christianity in general has had a branding problem for a long time. Uh, it's just like any other any other thing in culture, just like any movement that ever has happened in the history of the United States, of which we celebrate 9-11 today. You know, this is the first year that 6th, 7th, and 8th graders will be taught 9-11 as history because they weren't alive when it happened. Isn't that something? The, the first, first year in public schools that 6th, 7th, 8th graders are taught 9-11 as a piece of history because they weren't alive. doesn't seem that long ago, does it? Time flies. Time goes by. Just think about the endless Americans that suffered at the hands of a few evil men. And see, the church has suffered for years at the hands of some bad reputation because of a few bad people who brand, who caused us to be branded with, with certain stigmas and certain reputations that do not betray who my Jesus is. Father, I just thank you today for your sweet Holy Spirit. As we talk about you today, we invite you in, my friend, to rule and to reign this service. It's yours. Guide us, speak to us, talk to us today. Let us open our ears so that we can hear you clearly. Let us hear that still, small voice that guides us everywhere we go. And Father, I pray for all the survivors today of 9-11. As these, as these children, these orphans, and as these widows and widowers, Father, look back today on a day that took their loved ones from them. We lift them up to you, Father. Let grace and mercy be shown upon them. Let your hand be with them, Father, as they look back on what was the worst day of their life. Give them grace, give them renewed purpose, renewed vision, Father. And Father, as we humble ourselves as Americans today, Father, please forgive us of, our sin, as our, of any of our sins as a country, Father. Cleanse our land, Father. Guide our leaders, Father, as we go into an election cycle. Put the right people into place, Father, so that you can be lifted up in all things. In your name we pray, amen. So I'm going to set the scene for today's message. Jesus has died and he's been resurrected. And so Jesus is on the scene and for 40 days he's going around in his new glorified body, walking through walls and having fun. He's, he's getting the disciples ready. He's getting the disciples ready for their next step. And uh, he's getting them ready to move forward without him. And so he's, he's on the scene for these 40 days, and he's popping up here, and he's popping up there, and he's spending time with the disciples, and he's getting them ready for what is about to happen and what is about to come. And so he's giving his final, disciples their final instructions, and then he goes up to the Mount of Olives, 
and he stands on the Mount of Olives and he ascends to the Father. The Mount of Olives is where he'll descend again one day and come back on a glorious day to, for his church and for his bride. And uh, I look forward to that. I don't know about you. I'm excited. I want to be with Jesus. That's my ultimate goal. I have a kingdom perspective. I know that my life, everything that I do, is amounting and totaling up to the day that I meet Jesus again. Now, I live every day with him, but there's something about standing with him when he says, I love you. Looking forward to that day when he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so he's ascended, and but Right before he ascends, he sends the disciples to the upper room to go wait. And he ascends, they go to the upper room, and they're waiting. And they're waiting for what is about to come next. And after 10 days, they receive the Holy Spirit. And I want to pick it up here with the crowd. Acts 2, 12 through 16. Now, the, the verses we're using today, the verses we're using today are, are through through the eyes of, of the disciples being made fun of because of something that people do not understand. See, that's the biggest misconception with Christianity and the Holy Spirit is people are talking about something that they truly don't understand. And when people don't understand things, when they don't understand things, they give it a false pretense or a false illusion or they, they talk about it out of what they think about it, not what they know about it. And, and so, so that happens every day of our lives as Christians. The church is branded in, in, a, in, a, in a way that's, that's not, that doesn't really represent the church as whole. People get hurt and people happen at church and bad things happen at church. and That's not the church I want to be. And so in Acts 2, 12 through 16, it says, amazed, the crowd says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? See, they have no understanding. They're amazed, but yet they're perplexed, and they, they have no idea what this means. It, it's, they're, they're misunderstanding what's going on. And some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd and said, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Now listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of the prophet Joel. Now this... This is not what you think. This is not that. This is something different. They're, they're, not, they're not drunk. This is something different, and you don't understand it. Let me explain it to you. See, this is what Joel was talking about way back when. And we've been waiting for it forever. And y'all are about to label us. You're about to put brands on us. And you're about to talk bad about us. Because you don't understand. This is what Joel talked about. You're Jews. This is what we've been waiting for. But yet, out of misunderstanding and misconception, they begin to brand and they begin to talk about us. 
Isn't that what happens today? See, religion equals rules. Religion leads to misconception of what Christianity really is. I talk to people all the time and say, um, I ask them, I say, where do you go to church? Well, I don't go nowhere. I don't like Christians. And I know the Christians they're talking about. I say, I don't like them either. Then they ask me, what do you do for a living? And then I got a choice to make, whether I'm going to lie or tell them the truth. I say, well, I'm a pastor. And you know, you got to like Christians. You're a pastor. Yes, I do. I love Christians. But you got to understand, I don't like the Christians who mislabel and, and, and don't represent Jesus in, in, in the right way. We hurt ourselves as a church a lot of times because we, we talk without actually understanding what Je- how Jesus would have acted, what Jesus would have done. Jesus always took time to pray for somebody. He always took time to love somebody. That's what Jesus acted like. I have a friend, uh, his name's Anthony Hill, and uh, we have a youth pastor at our last church. His name is Albert. And uh, Albert's crazy. And for some reason, Anthony likes to be tortured. Every time he'd go out of town, he'd ask Albert to watch his house. And so, Albert, every time he watched his house, would do something to his house. I mean, literally, one time they went, they went away, and they came home, and they're looking for their bedroom door, and they can't find it. He sheetrocked over it, textured it, and painted it. Could not find it. I mean, didn't mean things to them. And then they're leaving town again. Nobody else is volunteering to watch the dogs. So, Albert, will you house sit and watch the dogs? Sure. So then one time he took all their silverware in the whole house and he stuck it in a big Ziploc bag and froze it in a block of ice and put it in the freezer. They came home and they wanted to eat. And there's just this massive block of ice. And so they have to dethaw it to use their silverware to eat. You know, he's always messing with them. And and so another time they asked, Albert, will you house sit? I'm like, Anthony, Deirdre, do y'all really want Albert to house sit? Well, yeah, he does a good job with the dogs. Yes, but he she rocks in your house. He does all kinds of crap. Do you really want him to house sit? And they're like, yeah. And so Albert comes in my office, and Anthony and them are out of town. He said, Pastor, I got a problem. I said, oh, Lord, what's your problem? And I'm thinking he's got this serious problem. He goes, I kind of run out of ideas of what I can do to Anthony and Deirdre. And uh, I said, you ever done the, the mystery pantry on them? And so he said, no, what's mystery pantry? I said, where you take all the labels off the canned goods. <laughs> and you mix them all up on the shelves, and you write numbers on the bottom. And then you give them a code so they know which canned goods which. And, and he's like, man, that's a great idea, Pastor. I'm going over there now to go watch the dog. And so <laughs> Albert takes it to another level. He rewraps the cans with the wrong labels. But he did put he did put some numbers on the bottom of it, you know. And so they come home from vacation, they go open what they think's a small can of corn and it's it's like sardines or or, or, or little Vienna sausages and they open it up. Well, that's not that's not a little spicy corn and so they open a can of corn and they get green beans or they they and they open green beans and they get beets and they're mad at Albert and Albert said, Well I put a coat on the bottom of your stuff. 
He said, really? So he gives them the wrong code. <laughs> and so every night for dinner, they're having mystery vegetables. Well, no, nobody, nobody likes that. Nobody likes it. It's sad when you open the wrong thing. It's not what you did. And, and the deal is, we've been labeled as the church wrong. We're supposed to be unique, but in a good way. We're supposed to be unique, but in a way that attracts people. There's something about uniqueness that makes people attractive. It's like McKay. She's a beautiful girl. There's something unique about McKay. And she's been going to college, and she goes, Pastor, I got all these guys hitting on me. I had like a 30-year-old dude hit on me this week. I'm saying, you just need to get you some Pentecostal-looking outfits, you know. Take the makeup off, you know, get you some long dresses, or, or go, go Puritan or something, you know, and have the little headband and, and do all that. And Jerry needs to buy more shotguns. But there's something about being unique that relates to people and, and draws people to us, not push them away. I want to be a unique church where people are drawn doesn't push people away. People say, is there something about that place that's different? There's something about that pastor that's unordinary. I want to go see him. He's crazy. And that's okay. That's okay. People like that are crazy too. We get along good. And so today I'm, I'm covering one of the mis most misunderstood facets of the non-denominational full gospel modern day church which is the Holy Spirit. Who is He? And I want to explain that today. If everyone had a true perception and understanding of who He really is, they would rise to Him. First of all, He's not an it. In the Bible, we read about it's, it's Him, it's He, it's Him. It, he's a person. He's the third person, the part of the Trinity. The worst translation I talked about in, in the Bible is ghost. The, in fact, in, in the Greek, it's really, their the translation they, they is, is pneuma, which they, they come up with spirit in the English because they really don't have another word that comes close to what the, the meaning really means. And so, so the real word in the Greek is pneuma, which means refreshing breath of fresh air. That's who he is. He's a breath of fresh air. You can't see him, but he's there. He's the wind in your sails that moves you forward. You need him to move forward. He's, he's pneuma. He's fresh, fresh breath. The breath of God. That's who he is. But we, we get caught up in labels, and I don't know about you, but if he's He's one-third of who God is. I don't, I don't care what he thinks. I don't care what people have said about him. If he is God, I don't know about you, but I don't want just two-thirds of God. I want all of God in my life. Things the Word of God says he is. He is my inner voice. John 16, 18, it says, when he comes, he will convict the world 
of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, we get this word convict badly messed up. Because convict and condemn are two different things. God does not condemn people. Condemnation is what the devil says about you. Condemnation says you're scum. Condemnation says you're not worthy. Jesus has never said we're not worthy. He said we are wonderfully made in his image. See, but, 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 but we take that word convict and we, we, we throw that word condemnation. We put them in the same, the same barrel and they are not the same thing. The word conviction actually means way out. It means direction. It means to move forward. That's what God wants for you. He didn't come to condemn you. He came just to convict you and move you forward. He's that small voice inside of us that says no. He's that inner voice that warns us and guides us ahead of time. I don't know about you, but I need that, I need that inner voice that guides me. I can't, I can't go without it. I, I've had it too long now. Since I was 13, I've been filled with his Holy Spirit. And I need that voice to guide me and to direct me. Uh, when me and Pastor Jennifer were, were looking at, uh, looking at, you know, going into being a main lead pastor somewhere, there were some job offers we had and stuff, and I just heard that small voice say, no, that's not the job for you. Some of them were, were good money jobs. And uh, God said, no, go to Angleton. And no, you're going to go and you're going to make less money. It's okay. You're going to go and you're going to bring your boys there. But I'm going to take care of you. And see, I'd rather have God's blessing on my life than operate in what I think is right. Because when he's in it, everything works out. Everything is good. We have to totally put our trust in him. And when he moves you somewhere... And you know it's God, there's just this peace that is so overwhelming and so good. I'm telling you, my boys are going to have opportunities because we moved here. They never had them before. I'm telling you, my sophomore, my sophomore is, is getting to hang out with the, one of the number one recruits in the whole nation. This is going to ESPN. Had 158 scouts look at him last year at BJ Foster. And, and because of that, Coach says, anybody else we need to look at? Well, we've got a couple freshmen on, on, on varsity, and now he's a, he's a sophomore on varsity, getting to play a lot. And, and But because he's there, he's getting looked at. Well, even God for a scholarship, Lord, let it come. I be league father. I can't afford that, but my God can. But it's through his direction. That inner voice. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says this, And no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You can't even be saved but by the Holy Spirit. You can't say he's Lord and confess him to salvation without the Holy Spirit. 
See, because it's that time when you're sitting in your life and you hear you're sitting in, in church or you're, you're sitting in an altar call or you're driving down the street and you, you hear that small, still voice or that knocking on your heart that convicts you and says you need Jesus in a fresh new way. That's the Holy Spirit I'm talking about. In a few minutes, I'm going to give an altar call. I want you to listen closely. That small, still voice might talk to you. It might knock on your heart. And it might say, today is your day. Because that's what our Holy Spirit does. He guides us. He walks with us. He talks with us. It's what sets us apart is this Holy Spirit. He prompts us to salvation. Next, he is my teacher. Now look, this is a new concept. You can read your Bible and get revelation without, without going to Bible study. John 14, 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you. Are you a you? Are you a you? I'm a you. He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. In fact, in 1 John 2.27, NLT, it says, But you will receive the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you. He lives in you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. We need direction in our life. The best thing ever happened to me was Google Maps. My wife loves me now. I could get lost. I could get lost in the Burger King parking lot. I'm just being honest. Especially since, you know, it was hard for me moving from Neerland because I'd done construction for years and, and pastored church for years and been to everybody's house. I knew every back road, where to go, just raised in the whole area. I come to Angleton, I have a hard time making it to Lake Jackson. And uh, you laugh, but the first week I was here, take me to the mall, Siri, <laughs> and, and I'm going. But just like that, we need the Holy Spirit in our life to give us direction, to take us where we need to go, and we need to be guided. So next, he is, he is my guide. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. In fact, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. You know, and another verse in Corinthians, it actually says the Holy Spirit knows the Father's most innermost secrets. What kind of revelation is that? We think Siri knows some stuff? No. We think Google knows some stuff? No. The Holy Spirit knows the most inner thoughts of the Father, and He wants to guide you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to take you new places. But we have to be willing to be open to Him. Isaiah 30, 21 It's okay. I'm not going to hurt you, I promise. Isaiah 30, 21. When you turn to the right or to the left, 
your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That's what I want. I want to make sure I'm walking in the right way at the right time every step of my life. I don't know about you, but I need that kind of advice. I want to know when something's coming down the road. I want God to prepare me for things that are coming up. He needs to prepare me. I need to know. I wish he'd have warned me the first time I met Casey. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> but he is our God. He, he tells us what we need to do and where we need to go. Next, he is my friend. I can't operate a minute of my life if I never met him. I'll never forget Ken Flemeth. He's... he's a in fact, if you get a chance, pray for his family. He's, he's had a massive brain tumor and surgery and not, hasn't been doing well at all. They kind of sent him home to die. And if you think about him, he prayers his lovely wife, Jane. Uh, but he was a pro- one of the most powerful prophetic voices in our nation for years. Uh, he gave me a word when I was 12. He told me, he said, all of your other friends in life will hurt you. so true. He's my friend. I talk to him all day long. I spend time with him. I, I turn on my radio and I praise him. And he just, I spend every moment of my day with him. John 14, 16 says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Or let me give you the Greek word. He will give you another parakletos. Counselor means parakletos in Greek. It means one called alongside you to help you. In fact, the word picture is, the word picture of the definition is, you pick up one end of the log, he'll pick up the other end of the log. That, that's what he's there to do. He's there to help take the burden off of you, to walk with you, and to guide you. To some, he's our helper. To some, he's our friend. But we need him to operate in our lives. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, The amazing grace of Jesus. Now look, everything begins with the cross as far as our salvation is concerned. Everything begins with the cross. And and this says, The amazing grace of Jesus and the extravagant love of God. And then it says, The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Let me put a divining period right here. I want you to know the amazing grace of Jesus. I want you to know the love of the Father. But those two are in heaven. The Holy Spirit is right here with you to be your friend and to guide you. How can you not want the one that's here with you to walk with you, to guide you, and to be your friend? Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve God, don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift gift for granted. Did did God not know that these people were going to label the Holy Spirit? You know, people say, watch out for them Holy Spirit people. 
Watch out for them spirit-filled people. What they're, what they're saying is, watch out for them God people. That's what they're saying. Because the Holy Spirit is God. If you will refer to him as a person, he will talk to you personally. The deal is we label him an it or this or a that, but he's not. He is God. Three prayers I want everybody here to be praying. If you need the Holy Spirit in your life, there's three prayers you need to pray. Number one is, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me some stuff. He'll show you some stuff. Most of all, pray, show me me. That's what I want. Show me me, Father. Is there something I need to change? Something I need to do so that I can be more like you? In the verse before we just read, he says, I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. We need him. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. He wants, he wants to put his spirit in you. He wants to move, be moved from just an external God that you hear about to an eternal God that operates inside of you. Psalms 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. That's a prayer we need to pray every day. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive ways in me and lead me in the way everlasting. How much greater will we be as people if we prayed that every day? Holy Spirit, lead me. Number two, Holy Spirit, change me. Incredibly important that we don't stay where we're at. I want to I I challenge you to commit to be in the house of God every Sunday for the rest of your life. Every Sunday. And, and I'll do you this, I'll give you this promise. I promise you, if you'll come to the house of God every Sunday, I'll help disciple you, and I'll help make sure that you're not in the same place that you're in right now at this time next week. That's a commitment. We wonder, well, God, how come I'm not being changed? Well, are you being discipled? Are you in the house of God? Are you walking with him? Are you letting him show you stuff? Are you letting him change you? My goal is to never be in the same place in my life ever a year down the road. I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly uh, trying, to, trying to better myself. Uh, Josh just went through DLI. I never went through DLI. I said, bring me your books. I want to read them. Now, Kara's going through first. She stole my books I was fixing to read. I was going to get some free books, but it's okay. And so... Uh, but I'm constantly reading. I want to be in a better place next year than I'm in today. We've, we've got to constantly be growing as Christians, moving forward. Look, times are moving. If you don't move with them, you're going to be lost and left behind. That's just how it works. We've got to constantly move forward. Look, 
I, I remember when the smartphones came out, I had to teach my mom and dad how to use them. They were just getting where they could flip it open and talk on it. But, but we as people have to evolve and have to be moving forward. And, and in order to move forward with God, you need to be in his house. You need to be getting discipled. You need to be reading his word and spending, spending time with him. I want to challenge you, take steps and grow this year. Get in a life team. In 2 Corinthians, I love this verse, 3, 17 through 18. It says, for the Lord is the breath of fresh air. And wherever the fresh air of the Lord is, there is freedom. Can we take that word we learned just a few minutes ago? Where the fresh breath of God, there is freedom. There's something about being filled with His Holy Spirit. There's something about moving with the Holy Spirit and living with the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to be your friend. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the breath of fresh air, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. That should be all of our goals as Christians. Be constantly being changed. Constantly being filled. You might say, well, I was filled before. Well, we look at the upper room experience, and we look at the disciples, we see them being filled over and over and over again. Because it's our jobs as Christians to take, and I'm going to use this little communion cup here, take, take our cups with our Holy Spirit in it and to pour it into somebody else over and over and over in fact, Andrew Birchfield uh, wrote a song called Pour One Time. And, and he says it's our job to pour to others. It's how we truly worship God is we pour The more we pour out, the more he fills us up. You know what happens if you take a glass of water and you set it outside for about six months? It's dead. But if you feed a lark, it's natural. But if you... Walk outside your glass of water, you pour it out, and you go get fresh water. What happens? It always stays fresh. Because we have to keep God in us fresher over and over again. We have, to keep, we have to keep letting him fill us up, and we have to keep pouring out into others. Number three is the prayer that we need to pray. Holy Spirit, fill me. God, give me everything that you have. Now, I'm, I'm not going to let you raise your hands on this question, but I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you, if I asked you today, would say you have everything God has to offer in your life? Nobody would raise their hand, not even me. The deal is we have to come to a place where we want everything that he has to offer in our life. That's where we need to be. I want to say in my heart, God, I want all of you. Not two-thirds of you, not one-third of you. I want all of you. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to bockery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we take this as one sense, but I want, I want to show this, this verse to you in a different light. Not, not about the drunk part or any of that, but I want you to look at it just a little bit, little bit different today. In other words, 
bell going off in my head. Imagine that. I want you to look at this a little bit different, this verse today. I think what they're truly saying here is don't follow your senses. Don't follow your own senses. Don't follow your own senses. Don't let your senses get out of hand. Instead, follow the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Follow Him instead of following your own ways, your own senses, and your own things, your own things in your life that you want to follow. Acts 13, 52, it says, And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. There's a link there. There's something about being continually filled with your spirit that keeps your joy. You might say, well, pastor, I've been running low on joy. Well, you might be running a little low on the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not condemning you. I'm not convicting you. I'm just saying there's a link there between your joy and the Holy Spirit. Because where he is, his grace abounds and his joy is full release. I want full joy in my life. I want the fullness of God in everything that I do. My prayer today for you is, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me today. I can't, I can remember a time in my life when I was just a young man and, uh, my aunt used to take me to church every Sunday, but I was actually uh, scared a little bit of the Holy Spirit. I thought, man, these people are a little crazy at this church. They're a little more excited than my last church. My last church, I just opened the hymnals, and, and I, I would I'd sing a song, and I'd come in, and these people would sing a song, lifting their hands. There's something different about them. There's something unique about them. And I don't know what it is. It scares me just a little bit, though. Because... The reason it scared me is because it was different. It wasn't because it was bad. It wasn't because it wasn't because of any other reason than the fact that it was unknown in my life and it was something different. I was a good religious little boy. And if people told me, you know, watch out for that that spirit-filled church down the street. I heard you went to their youth group one night, you know, watch out for that. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is those people love God in a deeper way. And before long, we started going to that church. All my friends were at that church. And God touched me and saved me and filled me with his Holy Spirit. And I've never been the same since. But I came to a conclusion that I was going to go all in. And I wanted that unique something and that I wasn't just going to live two-thirds of the way for God. I was going to live all the way for God. Today, some of you might say, well, Pastor, that, that, that might be me. I need something unique in my life. I need something different in my life. Listen, my, la my last thing I want to tell you today is this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. And that's my goal. I want to be better than me. Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than anybody else. Holy Spirit makes me better than me. You might say, Ryan, that's me in a nutshell. I need to be better than me. I need 
the Holy Spirit that you were talking about. I need, I need that cross experience and that amazing grace of Jesus Christ. I need the love of the Father. And I need the Holy Spirit like you talked about today. As you stand, our band's going to come and sing. And I want to ask you that question with your eyes closed and your heads bowed today. If you need that amazing grace in your life, if you need the Holy Spirit to fill you and to change you and you need something to happen, maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, I've got Jesus in my heart, but I want that Holy Spirit to guide me and to walk with me. He'll do that for you today. Or or maybe you'll say, I've never asked Jesus into my heart. I need him in my heart. I need that amazing grace to save me, to set me free, and to liberate everything that I've been going through on my daily walk. Maybe you hear that still small voice that I talked about earlier knocking on your heart today. If that's you, if that's you today, I just want you to slip up your hand. You need that you need that amazing grace in your life. You need you need Jesus to, to save you and to fill you. I want everybody in this room to pray with me today. Father, I don't know what it is, but I want it. I want all of you today. My life's been in shambles. Things have not gone my way. I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I've done things wrong. But I believe you died for me. I believe believe in that grace that Pastor Ryan talked about that's infinite. Save me. Set me free. And fill me with.